0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, along with Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. And today, we're going to talk about, speaking of sunshine, we're going to talk about the Sunshine State professional football teams that would be in order of existence, the Jacksonville Jaguars to the north, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the central part of the state, and down south, your Miami Dolphins. So, gentlemen. Welcome, and uh, we'll start with you, Ira. What do you think is the outlook? Not necessarily, we'll break them down in just a minute. Is it going to be a fun football season? If you're a fan of pro football in the state of Florida, is it going to be kind of like a, we don't know.
1: Guys, if if you're listening to the national pundits, Joe, and why should we? They're always wrong. Right. Uh, <laughs> the, the Sunshine State is, is not exactly a, a state of dominance. Uh, from professional football. Uh, now, guys, the facts are the facts. Uh, I believe the Dolphins have gone eight straight years without a playoff uh, uh, berth. Uh, the Bucks are right there with them, uh, and the Jags have been terrible uh, under Gus Bradley for three years, so his job's on the line in, in Jacksonville. Uh, having said that, guys, I think at least from a division standpoint, Joe, I, I think you'll agree with me, uh the Jags have the best opportunity uh to make some noise. Uh, you know, the AFC South uh is not very strong. You've got the Texans, I think the Colts will be better than they were, and the Titans are not very good. Uh Joe Gus Bradley uh was an assistant under Gruden here in Tampa. He's a great guy, the kind of guy you root for, Joe, but he's twelve and thirty six and at some point, uh, Mr. Congeniality is not going to be enough. Uh, He's got to win some football games in Jacksonville, Joe, and and they're pretty excited in in the northeast corner.
2: Well, they should be. Uh, There's a lot of uh, chatter that the the Jaguars could be one of those dark horse teams that uh, seems to come along every year in the NFL, and, and that they can make some noise. And as you pointed out, Ira, it's, not an overwhelming division. I think you you might have sold uh, the the uh, Houston a little short there, but right. um, be that as it may, the 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 Jags are going to put their money on on defense this year. Uh, all indications are that they've got a vastly improved defense. They've got now a third year quarterback in Blake Bortles, who is you know came on very strong last year, kind of surprisingly so, but but really had a pretty good year. And there is signs that their that their patience with uh, Gus Bradley is starting to really bear fruit, and 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 that's you kind of root for that because tired of these teams that feel like you know if 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 they fall behind in the third quarter they need to make a coaching change. Uh, the Jags have done uh, done it the right way. They've done it patiently, and uh, they may be ready to step up on the stage this year
1: you know joe uh you know jim uh the yeah. the bucks uh, the bucks and the dolphins uh have new head coaches uh-huh. gaze is in miami and uh their cutter got bumped up from uh, offensive coordinator here here in tampa um and jim to joe's point and you've watched football a long time uh the glazers who who were the model of stability
3: mm-hmm.
1: with dungie and gruden uh have now shown a propensity uh to change coaches like uh they changed socks James, <laughs> and um, you know, Raheem Morris got three years. Ciano and Lovey Smith, two years apiece, and uh, Gus Bradley's going into his fourth season. Uh, they're showing some patience up there. Uh, and Jim, you know, when you change coaches, everything changes. Um, yeah,
3: absolutely.
1: Uh, you know, schemes and systems and philosophy, mm-hmm. and uh, it it it's hard when when you don't have stability uh, in the front office.
0: Sure, and um, as we talk here on the Sunshine Boys podcast with Ira Kaufman, who you just heard, and Joe Henderson, who you'll hear very soon, uh, I think the key, too, in this case, is there's cost-effectiveness here. All three of these guys are not big names. All three of these guys are in a position where ownership is saying, okay, well, we're not investing a great deal in these coaches. Maybe we, in the case in Jacksonville... We don't have to, um, you know, we can wait a little longer because we're not, we haven't invested a significant amount of money where we have to have results right now where this guy's, you know, you know, or the, the, the expectations over exceed what the, what the team is capable of doing.
1: You now one thing, Joe, one thing I've noticed in the last uh, year or two is some uh, um, draft time. Joe, at least in the case of uh, the Jags and the Bucks, uh, look how heavily they've invested in, in the uh, state college teams with Jalen Ramsey, Dante Fowler, who, who missed his rookie year with an injury. Uh, and you turn to the Bucks, Joe, and, and you've got Winston, uh, and, and now you've got Hargraves. Um, very, very strong, and, and, and Aguayo, uh, so to speak. Uh, very strong investment. Uh, in, in keeping kids in the state, and uh, you know, given the talent in Florida, Joe, that that's not surprising.
2: Well, and and I think you you left out a, a name that should definitely be on that list, uh, Blake Bortles from uh, UCF. There you go. Uh,
1: there you and, go.
2: And I will admit, I mean, I know he was highly touted coming out of college, but I'll admit I was a little surprised when the Jags took him as high as they did. But he was, you know, they, they liked what they saw. He's their guy. And then obviously he's proving them right. And back to your point, Ira, there is very few, there are very few States out there that can match the, the kind of talent that we have here in Florida. And you've got, uh, a lot of, a lot more colleges now are playing at a very high level than there were, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. You've got, uh, back then you had Florida, Florida State, and Miami, now you've got UCF, University of South Florida, Florida Atlantic's put some players out there, FIU's coming along. There are there are programs that are giving a lot of these high school kids uh, more of an opportunity to play on a big level, and then that is obviously translating uh, to the NFL. So uh, I commend these these teams for, for mining the talent in Florida, but it's not surprising. That's what they ought to be doing because the players are here.
1: You know, Jim, the Bucks got away from that, Jim. Uh, yeah. in, in the early 90s, late 80s, they, they got away from that. And when McKay became the GM, and of course he hit it out of the park his yeah. first year as GM in 95 uh, w- 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 with two Hall of Famers uh, yeah. in, in Sapp and Brooks back-to-back, I I don't know any GM in any sport that ever opened his uh, tenure, Joe, with, with two Hall of Famers. But uh, he made a conscious point, and Joe knows this. Uh, mm-hmm. We we got to get back to mining uh, the state talent, um, and that was a big part of fueling, I think, uh, the Bucks' resurgence in in, in the, the, the mid and late '90s.
0: I think you're right, I, uh I guess we should say it's Richie McKay Well, Richard McKay or Rich McKay uh Joe and i know him from as richie mckay who played quarterback <laughs> at jesuit um when when uh, his dad was the coach uh but uh no you're right uh there's no question that rich mckay uh at the time was was a savant as far as many general managers thought i mean he he was a gold standard g m and uh and absolutely he not only was capable of bringing as you said, I had two Hall of Fame players in, but you know, then again, adding um, you know the players that he did, the team was competitive, and uh, and really for a number of years it was competitive.
1: And then Joe, when Gruden came on, he, he, his third day in, on the job, he, he went into the uh, into the room and looked at the blackboard with McKay and, and looked at all the names on the list and said, "We can't win with these guys." Can you imagine that, Joe?
2: Yeah, and, um, <laughs> well, it, actually, the whole McKay-Gruden dynamic is, is what started the Bucks down the road to ruin, and people are going, what? They won a Super Bowl together. But, like, what, six weeks after the Super Bowl, uh, Gruden was out ripping his general manager in public. Ira, you were there. You saw it. I was. And then the the whole – The whole uh, separation of coach and GM fell apart at that point. The Glaciers sided with Gruden. He won the power struggle with McKay. Uh, And then, you know, John Gruden was was a brilliant strategist, a brilliant coach. But, you know, on that front, I will have to respectfully part company with another Hall of Famer, Bill Parcells who came up with the the line, if you expect me to cook the meal, you ought to let me at least shop for the groceries. And Gruden would every day look at at things like what you talked about, look at the board and go, no, 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 no. All all the guys you got here, I want different guys. I want my guys. And the problem with, with John was he was kind of ADD when it came to that. So whoever he saw in the highlight reel that looked good that day, he wanted to go out and get them. And that led to a lot of chaotic... Uh, roster I wouldn't even call it changes I would call it roster implosion with the bucks and he he started bringing in guys who you know were were bad actors or two or three years past their prime and he was remembering them when they were great players and they weren't great players anymore and so you've got to get back to the basics you the only way you can really win in the NFL is through patience and building up uh, a base of talent. Jacksonville has done that. The Bucks are trying to do that finally. And uh, we'll see, we'll see what the story with the Dolphins is, but you, you build, you don't build a team as much as you build a program. And I know uh, people are going to go, wait a minute, that's what you do in college in the NFL, it's year to year, but you've got to have that base that you can rely on like the Cincinnati Bengals have done you know, they are a model of stability and that's not a bad franchise to copy right now and the reason that they did that was when they finally uh began to invest heavily in scouting and stop and player development and stop with this kind of scattershot uh, program they were using so anyway um i'm glad to see the bucks getting back to that they've had some good drafts um you know now it's time uh, to show a little faith in the head coach and let uh, Dirk Cutter put his program in. There's going to be some ups and downs, but you got to deal with it. It's the NFL, and you got to be patient.
1: And Jim, you know, Jim, to Joe's point, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, over the years I think we've seen, Jim, that you know, not all coaches, Mr. Parcells, not all coaches uh, are very good at picking the groceries. Um, Bill Belichick. Yes. Jimmy Johnson in Dallas, yes. Uh, but those are rare examples, Jim. I think you need that separation, for the most part, mm-hmm. between between the GM and the coach, because, Jim, those guys look at different uh, things uh, from different vantage points, and I think GMs tend to take a more la- long-range view.
0: You know, I know uh, Ozzie Newsom um, I know you guys know him as well, Ozzy. Uh, one of the successful reasons for Baltimore was Ozzy has always been the guy who has, as a former player, has been able to buffer himself between his coaches and uh, and and be someone who picks players and um, and picks he's players.
1: He's darn that, good at it, Jim.
0: He's he darn is. Good at it. What I was about to get to, Ira, was this. He does so with coach input to a point. Okay. And that's the to a point aspect of it. And if you have that relationship with the coaches where they trust you that you're going to be looking after their back, well, then, you know, there's not this, this kind of um, silliness that, you, that uh, you were talking about where John Gruden, you know, quickly dismissed Rich McKay and, and, and Rich's concept of, of how to build a team. But stability, you're right. In any business, and the NFL is no different, stability is the key to winning. And if you look at the New England situation, you know, they win time in and time out. Um, even Denver, uh, you know, once they got that position settled around. Uh, it's Pittsburgh. 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 Pittsburgh for years. So, yeah, I mean, the successful teams, there's a reason why they're successful. There's not a lot of change
2: you know uh, uh,
0: rich mckay told me one time
2: and and i will never forget this he Mm -hmm. said that when it comes to drafting you draft on production and not on potential Mm -hmm. because guys you know gruden was the uh, i love that guy he's got a high ceiling and rich mckay would go i love that guy because i saw him produce on film Mm -hmm. but but the other the other thing with which rich his his philosophy is unmistakable on this he was asked about the stability of the bucks under his regime and he said Mm -hmm. well we may not win it every year but i would rather go into a season knowing we have a chance to win it Mm -hmm. than i would to go all in to win it maybe maybe win it one time and Mm -hmm. then have to start over from scratch and um, prophetically, almost, that's exactly what happened with the Buccaneers under John Gruden. And again, John Gruden was a brilliant coach, and maybe he was the right coach at the time. Uh, I don't criticize Gruden for what happened after the Super Bowl season as much as I do uh, the ownership team uh, of the Glacier family. Because they looked at Gruden, they looked at McKay. They said, well, we're the guy that brought in John Gruden. He's a superstar coach. And we won the Super Bowl. McKay couldn't get it done. We got it done so so fooey on it we're gonna we're gonna throw our, our our lot in with Gruden. Well, when you did that, you removed the safety valve, and what then happened was Gruden basically destroyed the roster with impulsive moves.
1: And he and handpicked, what, he handpicked uh, McKay's the case successor.
2: Oh, puppet. yeah. Well, it was uh, Bruce Allen who was a, a a puppet. But here's here's the thing: if the glaciers had been smart that day, when after Gruden popped off uh, and it, and it went public, he they would have brought the two of them into a room and pointed a finger at John Gruden and said, "John, you're the head coach." rich you're the general manager john you coach the players rich you go get the players we just won a super bowl guys we'd like to win more now figure this out and work together but they didn't do that and so now they're struggling to regain that maybe they'll have it you know with their current regime i don't know but uh you know it's when you when you get that when you tear down that wall. you're inviting bad things to happen, and, and that's exactly what, what the Bucks went through for a long time now.
1: You know, Jim, that's one of the reasons why this Roberto Aguayo situation, mm-hmm. Jim, is, is so um, intriguing is uh, the fact that uh, Jason Light, the GM, did what he did on draft night mm-hmm. uh, and, and took a lot of heat for it at that very moment And now, Jim, all those skeptics feel emboldened because Aguayo looks awful uh, in practice and preseason uh, heading into uh, Friday night's third game. Uh, Dirk Cutter's getting a little impatient, and you understand that, Jim, as a first year coach, he's got to win because the Glazers haven't been patient. Uh, Light's reputation, in a way, gentlemen, uh, is kind of on the line with Aguayo. So, Sure. It's it's a very very dynamic situation here in Tampa. Uh, besides the fact that your kicker is struggling, which is alarming enough heading into a new season, uh, Jim, it, it's a kicker that you traded two draft picks for and, and, and took a lot of criticism for. So it's been a very two, tough two weeks for Jason Light, Jim.
0: Oh no question. Well, look, we're with Ira Kaufman, who you just heard, Joe Henderson, and we are the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams. Tell you what, we're going to step aside for a minute. We'll be right back as you're listening to us on sportstalkflorida.com and blogtalkradio.com. Welcome back to the Sunshine Boys sports podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, along with Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. We are talking pro football in the state of Florida, the Jaguars, the Buccaneers and the Miami Dolphins. And we've been chatting just before the break about uh, the situation in Tampa. Let me ask you this, guys. What if, what if Aguayo isn't the guy? What if they have to cut him? What if they have to uh, bring in another kicker? I mean, at the end of the day, he either produces or he doesn't. What's the situation?
1: Joe, right now, they're in full support of him. They got his back, and you and I understand that. They need to do that and have a unified front. But, Joe, if this lasts another couple of weeks, heading into the season opener in Atlanta, uh, which is on uh, September 11th, uh, Dirk Cutter has to have a guy that he's got confidence in, Joe, uh, that that can put the ball between the uprights, because, as all three of us know, most NFL games are decided by... uh, Seven points or less. The Bucks play a lot of close games. Joe, kicking was a disaster last year early with Brinza, cost them a couple of games. Uh, Joe, that patience is going to run thin soon.
2: Well, it's going to run thin, but that goes back to my point that you can't make impulsive moves in the NFL. You just can't. And for that, I go back to um, one of there was a kicker the Bucks signed a few years ago. Mark Dominic signed him when he was the GM. Named Mike Nugent, paid a lot of money uh, mm-hmm. to Mike
1: Nugent. And he, uh, Nugent. Joe, Joe, he's the last kicker before Aguayo that was drafted in the second round. Mike Nugent.
2: There you, there you go. And the Bucks bring him in. He struggled a little bit at the start, and so very quickly they got rid of him. Okay. We made a mistake. We're cutting him. We move on. He he was picked up by the Bengals, and he's had a pretty good run with the Bengals. Mm-hmm. And so the what you have with Aguayo, I think, is what business economists would call sunk costs. You've mm-hmm. already you've you've made the trade. You 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 traded up. Uh, most people, and I tend to agree with them, think that it was rather foolish to do that but Jason Light said he wanted to do that. There was an interesting story uh today in the Tampa Bay Times where uh they spoke to uh Jay Feely, who's a pretty good kicker for seven NFL teams. And
1: I'm not familiar with that newspaper, Henderson. Uh,
2: no, it's uh, it's it's a new one just starting out. Okay. But uh they they talked to uh to Feely and asked him what he what he thought about Aguayo, and he didn't mince a lot of words. He said, "Listen, um, I wouldn't have drafted him there. You don't draft a kicker before the third round. I think that was a mistake. But he's got some—he's got some problems, and he's going to have to work through them. You know, Jason Light can't correct that mistake. He probably—if he was really that gung ho for Aguayo—if he just stayed pat, he probably could have gotten him with their with their next draft pick rather than than trading uh, to move up into the second round. But that's done. And I guarantee you that if they cut Aguayo, that there's going to be a lot of teams out there the next day going, "Hey, kid, come play with us," and he's going to go on and have a fine career. So these are the bumps. this is the learning process, and you got to live with it this This is your guy, so suck it up, bucks. He, you know, get over it. He's, he's your kicker.
1: Jim, you're right uh, they're, they're they're too heavily invested, Jim, too heavily invested okay to make to make a rash move.
0: We got. um, We talked about one Florida State guy. Let's go back to the other Florida State guy, and that is Jameis Winston. He came out. I think personally, I was pleasantly surprised by his play last season. Uh, But sometimes sophomore years in the NFL, you don't necessarily move up; you move back a little bit. So, what say you, Mister Kaufman, about Jameis Winston and? And what you saw last year and what you expect to see this year.
1: Well Jim we have an example right there in the division the NFC South. Cam mm-hmm. Newton spectacular as a rookie mm-hmm. um, and as and as you mentioned took a step back in year two uh, generating some criticism uh, in Charlotte from some disgruntled fans about uh, whether this kid's got uh, the future that we thought he did and um, Will it happen with Winston? It could, Joe. He hasn't looked particularly sharp in the preseason. uh, But it's exhibition season, as Henderson likes to call it. uh, And I don't (laughs) want to read too much into it. Uh, What I think is the saving grace for Winston, Joe, and I don't think he's got a great arm. I do not think he's got an elite arm by any standards. And I've watched the kid make every throw. And by the way, he took every snap last year, which is extraordinary for for any rookie quarterback, every snap he took for the Bucs last year. Uh, I think, Joe, what's going to serve him so well going forward, and it's an intangible that I think uh, you can't quantify, the kid has unbelievable passion for football. He loves it. Uh, That's where a Jamarcus Russell, he didn't have that. Yeah, he could throw the ball 80 yards he didn't love what he was doing he wouldn't put the work in joe that goes a long way winston wants to be great will he be great i don't know i think he's going to be very good
2: yeah uh, barring injury of course i think the bucks should have their quarterback uh for the next several years we always like to put you know a uh kind of a time frame on these you look at you look at him like well, you would hope he, he could be the Bucks' answer to uh, Ben Roethlisberger, right. some Tom Brady in terms of longevity, um, Matt Ryan even. But um, he does have some work to do. He is not, uh, as you noted, looked sharp here in the practice games that the Bucks have been playing, and um, they they need, need him to be. I th- I think he's going to be fine. Of, of all the things the Bucks have to worry about right now, I don't think Jameis Winston is on the list, period. You know,
1: Jim, one, one, thing, one thing that might help young Winston a little, uh, and I think it's going to be a problem as the year goes on, uh, his targets are rather ordinary, even though Mike Evans has a ton of talent. Uh, boy, did he drop a lot of balls in 2015. Uh, and Joey, I think you'll be on my side on this one. Uh, Vincent Jackson um, certainly his best years are behind him. He doesn't score touchdowns anymore, and and the depth at wide receiver, Jim, it's it, it's very thin. It's
0: thin. Mm-hmm. Does he have any safety, you know, blankets? I know a lot of quarterbacks, especially young ones. Will gravitate to one or two guys. Sometimes it's a back, sometimes it's a tight end, sometimes it's a, re, a, a wide receiver. Most of the time, that'd be like a possession guy. Is there any one or two guys that James, that you know, that James, the first time side of trouble, he's looking for those guys?
1: Well, his his main safety blanket, Joe, is a stout running game, which really helped him last year. Absolutely uh, agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the old line Jim was horrible mm-hmm. years ago. Horrible. Uh, People wanted to run the O-line coach out of town, and I didn't blame him. But he made a huge comeback last year with two rookie starters. They ran the ball great. didn't matter if it was Doug Martin uh, or or Charles Sims, uh, Joe. And they they ran the ball very well in that uh, fantasy football game last week uh, (laughs) up in Jacksonville. Uh, But to answer your question directly, Jim... uh, you know, they got this slot guy, Adam Humphreys, young guy. He hasn't really done much, unproven. Uh, but he seems to have a little rapport with Winston. Winston trusts him. Uh, but, Joe, in terms of proven depth behind Evans and Jackson, they, they're hurting there.
2: Well, they absolutely are. And we saw how bad they were hurting when the, uh, Jackson got hurt last year. That's right. and And that made it even worse. And – Uh, The tight end, uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, uh, put it kindly, did not step up last year. Um, And uh, I was kind of glad to see, I think a a lot of Bucks people were glad to see Dirk Cutter call him out early on, drop him down to second team, threaten his spot uh, on the roster, basically, if he didn't get his act together. And he has responded. we him off
1: the practice field, Joe. Uh, we him off the practice
2: field. Had had to if 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 anybody couldn't get that message then they they just need to call it quits and go home because uh, it it is clear that his roster spot was on the line. Safarian Jenkins, who would seem to have all the measurables, uh I stopped short of saying he has a world of talent. Um, he has a world of unrealized potential. I would I would say. Uh, has has stepped it up in the last few weeks, has regained his spot on the first team, and maybe that will become that comfort zone guy that, that Jameis uh, Winston needs. But I was right. If they don't run the ball uh with with Doug Martin, uh they're not gonna they're not gonna be successful on offense. That it all starts with the running game. And if you know that's gonna be a staple of what they do. And that's going to make Jameis
0: Winston a better quarterback if they can run the ball. That's Joe Henderson. And we have Ira Kaufman here with us. I'm Jim Williams on the Sunshine Boys Sports Podcast. Guys, talked about great portals up in Jacksonville. Just finished talking about Jameis Winston in Tampa. Going south, in many ways, Ryan Tannehill. Is he gone south to the point where he's not going to help the Dolphins, or is this just another one of those situations where it's a guy looking for a chance to get better? What happens with Tannehill in Miami?
1: You know, uh, Joe, uh, look, uh, you've covered a lot of Dolphin games, Joe. They're used to very good quarterback play. Uh, Hall of Famers in Greasy and and Dan Marino. Uh, And now, you know, they're stuck with Ryan Tannehill. And and by stuck, I mean Joe – He's a middle of the pack quarterback. He he's not, you know, he's not Josh McCown, Uh, you know, but but he's uh he he's not uh Philip Rivers uh or, or, or Drew Brees uh far from it. Uh Jim, every time the Tannehill has to win a big game, he he doesn't play well. Um he doesn't have great talent around him at the skill positions. Um uh, so he's middle of the pack uh, which is kind of where his football team is, Joe. Uh they look like a quintessential eight and eight ball club. Even though they've got uh Cameron Wake, Nadamakam sue Uh they've signed Mario Williams on paper, Joe. That that's a that's a scary front four. Uh but they haven't won a postseason game, Joe, since two thousand. Uh, that's a long time in, in South Florida for um, a fan base, Joe, that that's used to uh, a team that used used to contend for championships.
2: Yeah, and and if you ever see the Dolphins uh, on TV in person, it's interesting. Uh, people like to rip uh, fans in Tampa for you know not selling out Raymond James Stadium, which, by the way, they did last year. But you look at a Dolphin. Game and there are thousands and thousands of empty seats at those games that they will officially call uh, a sellout. So, you know, let's tell it like it is with that. And part of that, I think, uh, is disappointment with with Ryan Tannehill. He remember last year he, how close he came to actually just losing the team, mm-hmm. and there was all this controversy around him. Was he the guy? Straightened it out a little bit, but now you got a coaching change down there again. You've got um, there's another franchise that needs stability. Yes. You you you've got you know they they've gotten away from the things that made the Dolphins the Dolphins, and you you talk about uh, Greasy and, and Marino. That's a pretty good long run of stability at quarterback when you when you put those two back to back and, you know, yeah, you're only going to get so lucky uh, to have a damn Marino fall into your lap like the Dolphins did in the draft. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is never going to be greasy. He's never going to be Marino, but he can be a good quarterback if, you know, if, if they can get him the kind of, I uh, hate we're going to use the word again, but the stability around the organization, you can't just keep bringing in bad actors and bad heads and and guys that have have the measurables but don't have the production to back it up. And I, you know they've gone out like you, you noted. They have the makings of what could be a respectable defense, but um, they're still going to have to get it done under quarterback. And and right now, when I look at at Ryan Tannehill, I See him in that vast middle mediocre uh, group of of quarterbacks that could be uh, interchangeable uh, in their blandness.
1: One more point, Jim, about the Dolphins. Uh, I think it's worth noting, uh, Joe. I don't know if you agree, but you know, ownership counts, guys, in, in terms of long range success. You, you could. You could do it for a season or two, but if you have a long run, uh, the owner usually has has a part of it. Uh, the Dan Rooney's, Bob Crafts, uh, these, these guys are sharp, John Mara. Uh, now we turn our attention, Jim, to Mr. Stephen Ross.
3: Uh,
1: never been one of my favorites. I think he's a blowhard. I don't think he knows how to win. I don't know how badly he wants to win. What he wanted was another Super Bowl, right. so he sunk, you know, he sunk $400 million into his stadium, and he mm-hmm. got awarded uh, at Tampa's expense, I might add, but uh, understandable, Joe, from a stadium perspective. Um, I am not a Steven Ross fan, Jim. Uh, I don't know how much you know about the guy. I think he's into uh, fanfare, uh, star yeah. power. Every time you look, Beyonce's uh, walking through the concourse with Serena Williams. Uh, Joe, that doesn't help you beat the New England Patriots. So I got a problem with Ross. If anybody wants to defend him, uh, I'm all ears.
0: I'm not ready to defend him, but I I want to ask both of you about – Do you think one of the things that that I look at Ross, he looks to me like he's the kind of guy who wants to turn – the Miami Dolphins into the Miami, what the Miami Heat had when Miami Heat had James and the rest of the guys. And, and they were, it was a happening. It was a place to be. You you went there, not necessarily if you're watching basketball game, you know, he had the star power there. I don't, I, I agree with you. Ira. I think Steven Ross falls into the category of one of my other favorite Miami owners. And of course that's the owner of the Miami Marlins. Uh, and I, I think that, <laughs> You know, I think under the situation that they've got two owners who are far more interested in anything but the teams that they own uh, than than actually winning. And um, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for Joe, but uh, I don't think Stephen Ross's particularly understanding of of how one goes about winning uh, football in the National Football League.
1: He's not a football guy, Joe. He's not a football guy.
2: No, and and and. I will assume that every owner wants air quotes uh to win, okay, but the key is as you alluded is knowing how to build an organization that can do that, and you know you these guys come in. I always said that I thought the the worst thing that ever happened to the Dallas Cowboys was when Jerry Jones began to think he knew something about football and uh, in fact knew more about football than Jimmy Johnson i mean there's the classic situation and so it's kind of the the conundrum you run up against you've got to have an owner with quote unquote deep pockets that that's willing to invest in a team but you w- you would hope that the that the owner would be then smart enough to hire the best general manager he can find, the best personnel uh, people he can find, and then let them do their jobs. You sit up in the owner's box and, and hobnob your clients and, and and enjoy the game. But for goodness sakes, stay out of the football decisions because most of the time these guys are out of their league. And I think Miami is Exhibit A.
1: You know, Jim, yeah. I was su- up in Jacksonville, uh maybe we have the opposite um uh, Shad Khan, who's got deep pockets yep. um uh, has shown guys to be patient uh with the coaching carousel aspect uh he might be a guy that uh whose patience is about to be rewarded, so I'm kinda gonna root for a guy like that uh, this season.
0: I well, don't think there's any question, and you know one time you know, you're, Ira, you're talking about uh, the Roonies. Um, I, I was chatting with Dan Rooney one time and we were talking about, I said, you know, you have a successful franchise, but you don't spend a lot of, you know, you're not one of these guys who rushes out and grabs the, the first big free agent on the market or anything like that. It's a lot more of cost, you know, consciousness. And they've let guys go. I mean, they've let guys go to free agency. They let guys, And they've replaced them. And and Rooney said to me, he said, look, the NFL is set up so you literally can't lose money. There's not a franchise in this league that couldn't be competitive, as competitive as we are. He's talking about the Steelers. He says, but it boils down to Ira, what you and Joe have been talking about all t- the time. He said, it boils down to me understanding Something that George Young taught me. George Young, of course, was um the general manager of the of the uh, New York Giants when um, when Parcells was um right. the coach. And that was basically owner's own, coaches coach, players play, and general managers pick the team. And if, as long as you understand that pecking order, he said, and you got the right people in the right place, you'll win
2: he he's absolutely right and here's here's a great example of of knee jerk and i'm going to go back to my bengal's okay mm-hmm. the worst owner in the league bar none used to be mike brown mm-hmm. can we agree on that and the bengal's <laughs> had a had a a decade or more of just abject futility people were going crazy up in cincinnati get yeah you know, sell the team please somewhere along the line mike brown learned that pecking order if you will that jim just alluded to and so fast forward to a couple of recent moves number one in the draft room uh, a few years back there were the they knew they wanted to take a quarterback mike brown liked colin kaepernick who turned out to be a pretty good quarterback but not I think we would agree, not great. His mm-hmm. personnel, people said, no, 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 no. We want Andy Dalton. So, well, I really like Kaepernick. Yeah, but I like Andy Dalton. And I think it was uh Jay Gruden who was arguing passionately for Andy Dalton. And they finally said, fine, take Dalton. And I think of the two right now, you'd rather have Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. And number two, number two, How many owners would have fired Marvin Lewis after the playoff game last year?
1: Quite a few. A lot.
2: Quite a few.
1: The lack of of discipline. Lack Lack of of
2: discipline. discipline. Can't get us over. I think there was a football team in Tampa one time fired a guy named Dungey because he couldn't get over the top. And uh, so, you know, everybody in Cincinnati was so upset after that. Playoff game with the Steelers, and uh, I might have been among them. And uh, but th- there was this hue and cry throughout the land of Marvin's got to go, Marvin's got to go. He he can't get it done. No discipline, no that. And yet everybody in Cincinnati understood that Mike Brown was never going to fire Marvin Lewis. It wasn't going to happen. And he had a couple of opportunities previously where the Bengals had bad years to fire Marvin Lewis. But he's like, no, 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 no. This is our guy. I believe in him. He's going to get it done. So um, on that cherry note, I will tell you, this is the year they get over the top, darn it.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, Joe, I'll say this. They could. The, the, the Bengals have a lot of talent, Joe. There's a lot of talent. They draft they draft very well. Nobody talks about the Bengals' scouting mm-hmm. system. Um, They don't miss a lot. And they hit a lot on draft the weekend. And um, I just think their day is coming. You know, Dalton has to play a little better. Joe, you know that. Um, they they got to stop uh, melting down in key situations, Mr. Perfect. You know that. Um, yeah. But, Joe, they, they have a very talented roster.
2: Well, they, they unquestionably do. And... Um... You know, Dalton was playing just fine last year till he broke his thumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you know, I'm, you know, uh, if I'm a Bengal fan, and I guess I would have to admit I am, that I'm very happy with Andy Dalton, uh, not so much with Vontez Burfict, and and that is on Marvin Lewis to correct that. But you know what the Bengals do every year, that and and if you think about this, you you will you will not in agreement it seems like every year with either their first or second round pick with these, these high premium picks, they're taking either an offensive or a defensive lineman and where is the area where they are strongest? They are strongest in the line every year. And it, they take some guy I've never heard of, right? Some, some offensive tackle from wherever. And yet and maybe the guy doesn't even start because he comes in now. They've got so much depth on the line that right. stockpile these guys. But then when it's it becomes their time to play, these guys are ready. And, gentlemen, I think there is no argument that you cannot win in the National Football League without a good offensive line and a good defensive line. Can't do it.
1: No, can't and, Jim, and Jim, yes, sir. Jim, you will remember – uh, going back to your 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 boy Richie McKay, mm-hmm. um, that that used to be another Buck formula. Is you know draft a guy and and groom him, Jim. Um, let him sit for a year or two. I'm thinking of Rondé Barber. Right. Um, and then Jim, when when your starters get to be 32 years old, uh, you, you've got the replacement. Um, it yep. was very successful in Tampa.
0: Yeah, there's no question. And in, in Joe's case with the Bengals, I, you know, I don't think anybody who's ever met Marvin Lewis doesn't respect Marvin Lewis. I mean, he's a phenomenal coach, but he's a, even a better person. And um, you know, his I think the only
1: that, problem, Jim, the only ahead. problem comes comes in January, and um, yeah, you know, they they seem to win ten games every year, Jim. Um, yeah. Now, I think you'd agree with me. Uh, they should have beaten Pittsburgh last year. They should have. Uh,
0: Wouldn't disagree. Bengals, that.
1: You know, yeah. I know the game uh, uh, got away from them, but, but uh, the Steelers were, were there for the taking, Jim. And, yeah. uh, and Cincinnati did, didn't make the plays down the stretch. Uh, that that kind of failure could really haunt the guy, but like Joe says, uh, patience is, is a virtue there in Cincinnati.
0: Yeah. The other part, well, is, of course... The division that they play in, I mean, it's, a, it's yeah, probably right. the most competitive division of all of football. Well, and and in that
2: division, I do think uh, Cleveland has finally got their right guy in Hugh Jackson, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but it's going to take a little time. They they sure. The the Johnny Manziel pick will have repercussions for a long time. Uh, maybe RG3 can can become a little bit of what he used to be, but That team's got some serious building to do, and when six of your games every year are against the Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers, uh, that's a pretty tough road to hoe, right there. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: You know, speaking of the Ravens, uh, Jim, and and you watch them. You you know, you watch them very carefully. Um, Look, they were down last year. You know, nobody's making any excuses for Baltimore. Uh, But I'll tell you what, Jim, they're not going to be down for long. I don't think. Uh, No. They still got a good quarterback and, and they still got a very uh, good uh, organization in place. Joe, mm-hmm. you can have a bad year, but I, I don't see Baltimore ha- having a lost, uh, uh, you know, decade or anything like that.
2: No, no a- not a. No, but no, uh, Baltimore, and that's another great organization. You've mm-hmm. got three very solid organizations in that division. Mm-hmm. And. Each one of those teams uh, at this time of year is gonna be, uh, I would say, in the Super Bowl conversation, uh, certainly the playoff conversation. And then it comes down to injuries. Baltimore had a lot of those last year. Pittsburgh certainly had their share. Um, and then and then Cincinnati with the Andy Dalton injury,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, that maybe didn't quite get the attention it deserved because A.J. McCarron, Came on and played pretty well, but yes, he did.
3: Yes, he did. I would have, I would still rather him. Yeah,
2: and, and not bad for a, what was it, a, a fifth round pick? Yeah. You know, I, so, so there you go. And, the, you know, they, I, I still go back to that playoff game. We all talk about perfect, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and the meltdown there at the end with the, him and, and Pac Man Jones, but you, the real play of that game was the fumble by Jeremy Hill after they had intercepted the Steelers late in the game. All you need's a first down and the game's over, and he fumbles. And you know that—that's football. That—that's what happens. But uh, that I'm one was John, tough to uh, get over.
1: Jim, I, I'm a John Harbaugh guy. I, I think you are too. Yeah, I'm uh, you. i I think he's a lot more stable than than his brother um That's an I think yeah he's very loyal uh yeah. jim and um you know he's got quite a record Harbaugh he's- he's won a rank and um yeah. i i just think um don't sleep on don't sleep on the ravens uh jim they they they're gonna be uh they're gonna be a contending team
0: well john's a you know john's a good guy and he also he was a special teams coach, so i mean he um he lets his coordinators offensively and defensively handle their ends of the ball. And oddly enough, he's the head coach and the special teams coach. Uh, so it's kind of an odd situation because you very seldom have a head football coach who even knows who the special teams are. Uh, and in this case, you have a guy who actually is the head coach and coaches the special teams, but we're about at that time guys, where we can talk a little bit about last call. How about rather than, um, than start into the prediction game. Cause we're way away from that. But um, how about this? How about we look at the, um, at the three teams that we talked about, the three state teams, Jacksonville, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and of course the Miami Dolphins and talk about what you guys want to see out of these two teams in these final two, as Joe likes to call them, exhibition games. Is that what you like to call them Joe? Exhibition games? That are that practice games. Practice games. Okay. <laughs> So in I these exhibition uh, practice games, which you're paying full price for, um, yeah. what, I, what I do will you uh, I
1: will yield first dibs to Mister Henderson on this one. All
0: right,
1: Joe. Well, I'm,
2: what you would like to see is nobody get hurt. um yeah. Because because I don't, uh, I put absolutely no stock in exhibition game results. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. Uh, Something I, I probably would like to see, and I think uh, most people in Tampa would agree with me, is I would like to see uh, Aguayo come on and, and not miss a kick. You know, maybe maybe nail a 45-yarder or something like that between the uprights and, and, and get a little bit of that back. But other than that, just don't get anybody hurt.
3: Okay. Uh,
1: Jim, uh, I'm going to go uh, quick quickly around the state and say uh, – Northeast Florida, I'm going to root for Dante Fowler to make a a full recovery. It was so unfortunate what happened to the kid. Came in with big expectations, never got to play a snap. So I'm I'm looking for Dante Fowler uh, to make an impact off the edges for the Jags, for the Bucks. Jim, Uh, I'm looking for a nasty attitude uh, uh, from a defense uh, that was way too passive in, in 2015. We'll see what Mike Smith uh can do with his uh more aggressive scheme because uh giving up seventy percent completion rate, Jim, that, that's uh that's just abysmal. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Um and and in South Florida, uh Jim, I, I think uh it, Tannehill, uh if he could uh find an explosive receiver or two, remember when they brought Mike Wallace in, Joe from yeah. the Steelers? That mm-hmm. was a big disappointment. He he never yep. could uh match his production. So, uh, you know, give give Tannehill a a legitimate weapon or two, and then we will make a judgment on Mr. Tannehill.
0: Sounds like a fair deal, guys. I'll tell you what, before we leave, let's get out the social media here. I know that obviously everybody reads your stuff in Sports Talk Florida, both Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. But, guys, uh, how can we uh, follow you uh, on social media? And I know that there are a lot of people that were tuning into the, the podcast today who are disappointed that we didn't have updates from the Buccaneers scrimmage on Twitter. But, you know, we can't have it every time, folks, so don't expect it, okay? So anyway,
1: Ira... Jim, uh, I'm Jim speaking of Twitter, uh, yes, you can you can find me at uh, at iKaufman76, uh, yes. at iKaufman76. And uh, besides ripping my uh, San Francisco Giants on Twitter, I will keep you informed on uh, what's going on uh Around the Sunshine State.
0: Always good to follow him because he's got some fun stuff. And if you haven't caught in it already, Ira's got a very fun sense of humor, which he integrates into his tweets. So uh, absolutely follow Ira Kaufman, and you'll uh, you'll get a big kick out of it because I know he makes me laugh when I when I read his tweets. um And Joseph, we know that you have if you if you like sports and politics, Joe's got the Joe's got the Twitter you want to follow.
2: Which yeah, is. I'm all I'm all over the board here. Uh my Twitter is the initial J Henderson Tampa. Find me there, or if you really uh if you want if you're jonesing for some politics with your sports, you can find me on Facebook with uh Joe Henderson, commentary,
0: columns, and such. Guys, thanks very much for a fun podcast. Of course, the Sunshine Boys podcast. We talked about what's going on in the state of Florida this year and a little bit about some stuff happening in Cincinnati because uh, there's some entertaining things going on in that division as well. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and uh, hang around and catch our next one, which will be not that far down the line. It's always fun. Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, I'm Jim Williams. Thanks for joining us today.